What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Russ, uh, it's been a marathon, brother. We, we finally wrapping up this review of Becoming Your Own Banker, the famous book by Nelson Nash. This is episode 18. 18. I feel like, you know, sometimes those marathon runners will like put that 26.2 on the back of their deal. <laughs> we need to put 18. 18 on, like get an 18 sticker. That's right. Like, That's what right. Did, what what'd you run? Like 18 miles? <laughs> it felt like it. 18 episodes. <laughs> But, you know, I, I would say we had to be persistent. Yes. You know, th this wasn't going to happen on accident. In fact, it, it reminds me of, I remember when you guys used to live in your old home, you had this ridiculous woodpecker that would not give up. Oh, the woodpecker. I mean, yeah. Have I not told the woodpecker story? I don't, I don't know. The, this is the most, uh, like, persistent creature and fearless creature that I've ever experienced. <laughs> Right. Like some people are like, I've had an encounter with like a bear, right? An alligator, right? Those things are fearless. I'm going to tell you this woodpecker had bigger balls than any bear that you've ever come across. But, but you're like, Russ, come on. You're an exaggerator. Let me tell you this story. All right. So I, I walk outside one day after hearing this, just that is the worst sound on your house. Unless it's a Jehovah's Witness, when you know it's not that, this is the a woodpecker on the side of your house. You're yeah. like, piss, man. So I go out and and I shoot this thing off, and I look up. Not in a tree on the house. On the house, we okay. have we have that kind of siding. Um, I forget whatever hardy plank, like that hardy whatever. plank board or whatever. This Joker has poked a golf ball size hole in the side of our siding now not like you know four foot it's way up on, like like 20 foot in there i mean, maybe not 24 let's say 16 foot it's up on the second like the upper part of the second floor of our house now i've told you before my dad was a contractor i spent a lot of times climbing ladders and doing stuff and so this is before i would just hire everything out right <laughs> so i'm like all right so i climb up the ladder well the little hardy plank is behind the little shutter that's that's you know mounted to the side of the house so i have to take the shutter off then i have to take off the actual piece of wood put get a new piece of wood paint the piece of wood prime it paint it the color paint the color again to have the the, the top coat put it back on the side of the house put the shutter back on the side of the house and have everything all caulked up right? wait, wait how did he get behind the shutter no 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 he poked a hole in the hardy plank 
Right. In order for me to replace the hardy plank, I had to actually take oh, all of this okay, off to okay. put a brand new piece I on. got you. Not right. behind the shutter. I get no. it. Okay, I'm with so you. So I put all of this back up. And, you know, I, I'm one of those that like to admire my work. So I'd go back out there like every couple of hours and check it out. You like, got your shirt off. You're out there. I, I, I'm like showing Megan. I'm like, yeah. I, I can do these things, right? <laughs> I know you don't think that I'm capable of doing much. But look. Flex I, a little bit. I completed this thing. Sure. Week goes by. A week? I'm like, are you serious? That Joker's out there again? <laughs> I come flying out the front door. Look up there. A new stinking hole. Same board. Same size? Oh, no, not the same board. Where this other board was. Brand new board that Joker had put it in there. And I'm like, whoa. Bastard. <laughs> you know, I'm just so mad at this stupid hummingbird. Not hummingbird. Woodpecker. <laughs> So I have to do the whole thing out. Get the ladder out. Take the the uh, the shutter off. Take the board off. Get a new board. Prime it. Paint it. Paint it again. Your day. It, your day is put done. Put it up there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is like Saturday. Saturday. Like it's like I don't want to be doing stuff on Saturday. No. All right. So I I do it. I'm like this Joker. There's no way. <laughs> oh, one little little tweak I did this thing. It's like okay, I got something for you. Instead of buying the little Hardy plank board this time. I went on one of those concrete boards. Now it was. Now, a, I think Hardy Plank is the concrete. You're probably it was probably another kind before that. Well, I don't understand. Okay. The other one was like particle board. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. bought the one that was made out of concrete. Yeah. Right. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna knock his little uh, beak off. He's gonna come out of there with a broken beak, right? <laughs> okay. A couple weeks goes by, and I pull in the driveway, and I see a hole in the side of the house. I'm like, how did he go through that board? No. Nah, he beat me on this one. He went one board up. <laughs> he he said, one. he said, I'm going to knock on a different door. Okay. So I, I, I'm like, Megan, I'm fixing this. I go around to, the, there's a store that like one of those birds exhibit places or whatever. Like you want to buy stuff for hummingbirds or whatever. And they have this big old owl that sits on like a, a metal arm that you can sit on the side of the house to basically scare off hawks is what a lot of times what they do. They put those owls gotcha. there. To protect like little animals and stuff. I'm like, like a little, like what's it made out of? Oh, it's, it's made like out plastic? of like hard plastic. Okay. But it, it is, it's like the size of a, like an NFL football. Like it's a, like regulation size football owl. The head spins around when the wind hits it. Oh, it, he's got a crazy legit. head. Yeah. So I, I take off the shutter. I replace the new, the, the one, the new board that he messed up, put another concrete board on there, do all the caulking, the painting, the prime and everything, put it up. And then I put this owl right there, like on the little side board on the side of the house. I'm like, I got you now, buddy. You're not coming back over to the house. By the way, Megan's okay with you having an owl stuck to the side of your house. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't really care. It, <laughs> it was fine. You know, it was the front of the house, but it was high enough up. People, you know, it's like trees around it. I'm like, this is going to protect us no matter what. So, you know, I'm feeling good about myself. A couple weeks goes by. I'm like, I, I got him. I don't I don't hear him. I don't yeah. hear you. Where you at, buddy? Come on. <laughs> you, you, that owl's got you scared, don't it? <laughs> Couple weeks go by, I pull up in the driveway, and Megan goes, Russ, do you see what I see? I'm like, uh-uh. I think and like looking up there to assume I was gonna see a hole in the side of the house. No, there's not a hole in the side of the house, Joey. There is a hole in the center of this plastic owl. He just been beating up the owl. <laughs> this joker. I mean, the 
balls the size of, of, of bowling balls here. This little woodpecker goes up there and is like, you can't fool me with no plastic owl. This is a plastic owl. I got your number. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to poke a hole in the middle of this owl. Right in the belly of the owl is a golf ball size hole. I look up there and this little woodpecker is like peeking his head out, just looking at me like, yeah. What you got? What's the next thing you got? Man. But after that, I had respect for this thing, man. Because yeah. he loved that little thing. I think that's where he made his nest or something. In the owl. In the owl. He never, I never heard him on the house ever again. I'd hear that and I'd come out, but it'd be the neighbor's house. It'd be a tree. He's not on ours. He's like, I got my owl here. I'm good. I'll just hang out right here. <laughs> it was a little penthouse. Like, I'm telling you, this little joker was the most fearless animal persistent mm. almost as persistent as you and i doing this book review on becoming your own banker so i i hope that you've enjoyed our book review on the becoming your own banker today we're wrapping that up almost as much i hope you all enjoyed it as much as the story on my little woodpecker my little buddy <laughs> the true mr incredible of all animals the woodpecker now joey let's jump into this interview uh, as we finish up the book review on becoming your own banker Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. All right, so Joey, yes. we're finally wrapping up the Becoming Your Own Banker book. It only took us uh, 72 years to accomplish that. <laughs> 72 years. It feels like 18, this is the 18th episode. Well, when there's something this good, you got to be able to break it down bite by bite. I think you got a big Texan story that need to be shared that can talk a little bit about how do you consume a 72-ounce steak Man. in less than an hour? It takes, me, it takes me back. By the way, it wasn't just a steak. Okay. The 72 ounce steak was just one piece. It was an actual dinner. You have to eat the salad. You got to eat the roll. You got to eat the baked potato and the shrimp cocktail. In addition to the 72 ounce steak in less than an hour up on a stage around total strangers with the clock just ticking behind the you. clock is just going, going, going. By the way, you cannot eat the 72 ounce steak if you don't just continue to chew and cut. Chew and cut, chew and cut, chew and cut. Which, by the way, I have a single track mind. My wife tells me all the time. <laughs> and that was to my benefit. And the other thing that will will drive you to finish a 72-ounce steak, put yourself in college, finishing up college with $0, and you're about to get married in less than three months. And you're like, if I don't eat this steak, I can't afford to pay for it. <laughs> I can't afford not to eat this steak. I got a feeling you've been paying for eating a 72-ounce steak for a long time, bro. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, that that is a big thing. And, you know, as we <laughs> as we're wrapping up Becoming Your Own Banker, Nelson gives us seven different points to consider. Yes. And the first point that he says, maybe we should have started with these. What do you mean? Because then it would have made this whole thing like a summary. Like we could have done it in one episode. 
Yeah. Well, nah, that wouldn't have been any fun. Like there's too much meat on the bone. Like we had to break down things. And if you haven't listened to all episodes, go back, listen to them. That's right. T- take each one of those, because if you've read Becoming Your Own Banker, you know that there's some nuggets in there that Nelson has left that sometimes you you just pass right over that first time you saw it. You didn't get it. He, he kind of goes straight to the point, though, in his main seven points here. First point to consider, he says, why is it? That 50 or 60 years ago, that the the man went to work, the wife stayed at home working inside the household, raising the kids. Why is it now that we no longer have the ability for one spouse to, to stay at home and the other spouse to go to work? It doesn't matter if it has to be male or female. But why is it that we believe that both husband and wife must be at work 100% of the time? Otherwise, they just can't make it. Well, I, he he tells us exactly the answer, and the reason is there's two sources of income, right, in this world. There's money at work and people at work, and that ultimately he 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 just forms it as a question: Could it be the fact that this modern family, those that feel like we have to have two sources of income uh, in, within the family, has no money at work? And Russ, I mean, this kind of goes without saying, but you and I constantly think we have unique ideas like dude this is it this makes all the sense of the world people don't have money at work and then we look in the book and nelson said it over 20 years ago and we're just we're just a recipient of the wisdom we never came up with it ourselves well yeah i mean you think about it that we really have evaluated nelson nash's work robert kiyosaki's work and we're always seeing the parallels between them and we've we've gone through the cash flow quadrant many times on the podcast and within our freedom seekers groups and we've talked about you know when we are looking at the e quadrant that's the employee quadrant Joey that's right income equals what work that employee's work equals income yeah all right so then in the in the southwest quadrant the s quadrant the solo entrepreneur the self employed income equals what hard work like really hard <laughs> Yes. You're no longer just the guy that's going to work within a 40-hour week, kind of check in, check out. You are the the accounting department. You're the sales department. You're the operations department. So that 40 hours leaks into 50 to 60 to 70 hours a week because you haven't been able to hire enough people to help support the business at that stage. Well, it reminds me of my wife when she started her dental practice. Like, really, she was doing hygiene and dentistry, answering (laughs) the phone whenever it rang, like, you know, taking out the trash. It was every hand that she had and then uh, needing extra ones and having to stay up there extra hours in order to make it happen. It's exactly what... Uh, Michael Gerber covers in the e-myth. That's right. Yeah. A lot of people think they were this really successful employee. So they go and they start a business so that they can own their own job. So that's really what that's why income equals hard work in the S quadrant. And what we're trying to do, and I think Nelson is pointing to this is we've got so much people at work and, and so little money at work that we got to get on the right side of this cash flow quadrant. We've got to operate in the B and I quadrant. So the B quadrant, Joey, that's for business owner. Typically, uh, most of the time allowed for people, we would say businesses with like 500 employees or more. That income equals what? That means others work. So the business owner is getting their income off of other people at work. 
Now, do you believe, though, that you have to have a company with 500 people in order to be in the B quadrant? Absolutely not. No, we we cover that on our show all the time. Uh, just one example I'll give you. The Land Geek community teaches you how to create a business that you can work in in less than 10 hours a week and have all these other folks running the business for you from nuts to bolts. And you can build a business that implement all the processes and systems and then can step away from it and let someone else run it for you. That's exactly. a big quadrant business. Now, the the opposite or the 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 next one on that side of the quadrant is the investor quadrant, the I quadrant. So income equals what in that situation? Assets are at work in that case. So you're buying an asset or you're part owner in an asset that is now at work and you no longer have to be the one to produce that. So when we look at Nelson, he says there's two sources of income. There's money at work and people at work. So the B quadrant is people at work. It's just not you. Exactly. It's your people. Other, other people. <laughs> it's just not you, right? That's right. And then the I quadrant is what Nelson is saying is money at work. And he's like, and he comes up, he answers that question and says, could it be the fact that the modern family just doesn't have any money at work? Well, what do you believe, Joey? And we've covered this many times, but what do you believe is the number one thing keeping people from being financially successful today? 100% it's not having access to capital. Bang! Like, bang on that one. That, that's the thing I think is so often missed. Go back through that. What's the number one thing keeping people from being financially successful today? Not having access to money. So that's the part I think is when people hear our show and they hear passive income, and they, they listen to our passive income report and they hear all the things that we're doing. They get so excited and they want to do those things. And they say, but how do I, how can I do those things? I got no money. I know I got money. It's just not where I can get my hands on. I got no money I can access. Exactly. So don't hear us wrong on this. It's not about passive income. That is the, that, that is what you, the result of having access to money. Not having access to money is the thing that is keeping you from being financially successful. That's it. When uh, when we say that there are million-dollar opportunities right underneath your nose all around you every single day, and you go, but how do I get a part of this? You got to have access to money because the deals that come by, Joey and I were looking at a deal just this week, right? It, it's a business that, we, that we're looking at buying a little over a million dollars. That's kicking off about $400,000 a year cash flow. It's not a business that we're going to go work in, by the way. It is a true B quadrant business if we were to buy it. And that business, though, requires cash. It requires money in order to buy it. So Lots if, of it. If we didn't have access to cash, it, it wouldn't matter how good of a deal it was. Yeah. Opportunities find cash. We've said that over and over and over. Put, here's, here's, the, here's the challenge. Put yourself in a position to have access to capital and test me on this. See if opportunities don't start appearing. They were always there, but you never saw them because you never thought they were yours. All right. Point number two, as we're wrapping up the Becoming Your Own Banker book review, Nelson said, here's something to consider. If you knew at passive income time, because he doesn't like the word retirement. Yes. I don't like the word retirement. We're producers. We should eliminate that word. Every time you hear someone say the word retirement, slap them. That'll make them stop. Don't do that. Actually, I think that would go bad, right? <laughs> Unless you're like a really big person. But I would just, but, but correct them. Say retirement. Why would you want to retire? That, that's horrible. 
Like, I don't want to be uh, unuseful because the word retirement is to take out of service. Do you not want to be able to serve? Yeah. Are you a piece of machinery that's no longer uh, providing value? Do you need someone? Uh, do you need a newer and more improved model in order to take over? Like, I would say your wisdom, the older we get, the more wise we are, the more experience we have. Why would we want to be out of service? Now you're saying, but I hate my job. No, that's a different thing, right? Yeah. Just the fact that you hate your job. Okay. Well, let's get passive income so we can support a passion income. Because right. passion income is when we are working in something we're passionate about. You might see that I've got a little bit of passion today. This is something <laughs> I'm passionate about. I, I I do this for free. Now, I'm glad I don't have to, but I would do it. <laughs> All right. So Nelson says, if you knew at passive income time that every dollar that you had put into a system that you could get back plus some income tax free, would you have any objection to put more money into it? The answer is no. He makes it to where you can't answer that with a yes. Well, think about that. Like, how many things do people put money into today that grow that they get to access the money at any point in time without paying tax on it? Yeah, I'm coming up blank. We're in a time frame right now where our government is looking at the highest tax increase. At least my wife, who reads the news, I've decided the news is not worth my attention anymore. I can't impact it, but it can impact me. Yes, it can. It, it can negatively impact my thoughts. It can occupy my brain. So I'm done with the news. Like the news, screw the news. But my wife tells me from time to time, she says to me, she said, Russ, did you know, I just read it, and she says it over and over again, that they're proposing the highest tax increase in our country's history. By the way, I'm not shocked by that. Well, so when Nelson is saying that if in this point number two, if you could get all your money back plus its growth back at passive income time, income tax free, why would you object to putting more in it? Like it needs to like ring off in your head. I shouldn't. I should be afraid to put more money in it. Yeah. How could I get more in this? Absolutely. And, and again, we've talked about it. One of those biggest obstacles that played into the first one is not having money at work is because you don't have access to capital. So why wouldn't we maximize a system that does exactly what he says? It returns every dollar you put back in plus friends income tax free. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you, Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today. All right. So our goal is to summarize this book in 30 minutes or less. We're going, we're moving fast here. We're on point number three. <laughs> he says, if you owned a banking system, meaning that you are the owner, you benefited from all of its uh, transactions, wouldn't you run all your business through your own banking system? Uh, now, let, let me just put this in perspective. It seems like that's a very simple question, but let me put it in real life. Let's say, Russ, you own Regions Bank. Okay. And you... I would do away with that stupid bicycle commercial. Okay. Okay. Well, that's marketing. We're not worried about that. But would you ever find yourself feeling the need to walk into, pick another, Wells Fargo, and go and put money on deposit with them? It, it would make sense. It, like, it, what do you think the teller that was helping you or the people, the business bankers are sitting in the lobby. What do you think they would say when you walked out? They'd be like, why is that dude here? Like, isn't that Russ Morgan? Doesn't he own Regions Bank? No, they do say, isn't that Russ Morgan? But they don't say anything about the Regions Bank part. <laughs> uh, doubtful. But but do, don't they, I mean, they would be like 
totally confused. Like, why is he putting money here? He owns another bank. It would be ludicrous. It would be this equivalent of when my wife was practicing dentistry and me going to see another dentist in town who knew that Megan had her own dental practice. That would be ridiculous, People right? Would be like that's that's odd. Now, now, but this begs the question. People say, "Well, Joey, Russ, I mean, I get this idea. Infinite banking is powerful, but how do you ever get every dollar to run through a system like this? It just doesn't compute." Well, Nelson says, hey, look, it's going to take the average person 20 years. And now I've been looking back at this like, you know, I'm competitive, bro. Yes, you are. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to be average at anything. That's that's not the, the goal for me. Now, singing, you're okay with that. But beyond that. Yeah, I, I, I probably, probably strive to be the average exception. singer. <laughs> now, I got an above average stage presence. <laughs> but my singing capability is pretty low. <laughs> So he says that it's going to take the average person 20 years. I've been at this thing over 11 years now. You got a lot of room to make up. Well, I, well, considering that I'm only getting about 30-something percent of my, my, my money, my transactions through my system as we stand today, I'm a little over 50% of the way there, and I'm only at 30% of the money going through it. Yeah, I would say that I got some work to do. But here's what I would say. The more you do this, the more clear it becomes for you to get there. So I, here's what I'm expecting. It's just like a flywheel, right? With the flywheel, you have to get it started and good to great. He talks about there's so much effort to get something started. And then you make that first revolution and then it becomes a little bit easier and then a little bit easier. And then the momentum of the flywheel itself starts to take place. And that thing starts to get to going and going and going. And it just is unstoppable. I see just like compound interest and a flywheel, you've got this 11 years, 12 years, whatever, and now you're about to just take off. So you're telling me there's, a, I got a chance. I'm saying you got a chance and everybody that's watching this or listening to this has a chance because you got to start somewhere. You don't start a forest with a forest. You start with one tree. Well, here, here's one of the things, Joey, I see it increasing this year because we've set this up now. We've You've probably heard our daughters on the podcast. We recently set them up to be paid from our marketing company. Yes. Now, where do you where do you think those dollars are going to go, Joey? Right into policies. Right into insurance policies. And what have I been doing with the dollars before I was paying them? Those dollars were going through the tax account, having to be a uh, uh, come into my checking account, and then I was going to pay for swim, soccer, baseball, gymnastics, clothes, computers. You keep naming it. I've been spending it. Yes. Now, you know what's getting ready to happen? Instead of me taking those dollars through my checking account to do it, I'm taking it through the marketing company, avoiding taxation, by the way, because did you know that they're not going to tax them on that first $12,000? That's shocking. Now, I may have to pay a little bit of social social security tax, but that none of that federal income tax, none, none of that high taxes that they're hitting us up with. Yeah. I get to bypass all of that. Yes. And this is not tax advice, by the way, please don't hear me of that. I'm not a CPA. <laughs> this is, I'm not a trained tax professional. I pay them and this is their information to me. And so what I'm going to do, Joey, is I'm going to take that money, put it straight into a policy. And then they say, Hey dad, we, um, you know, we need to re up our, our swim. I'm like, perfect. We're taking a policy loan. Exactly. And you know, whose policy is coming out of your Yours. policy. And so then we're going to teach them how to create more income so that they can replenish it. And so I'm going to increase more of my percentage of my money going through my system. But here's the other thing. It's not just about putting dollars through a system. What is that going to do? It's going to teach. 
Exactly. And that, that's what we've always talked about this on the show and we're looking for more and more ways. So if you're doing something really cool, you want to share with us in the community, go to their community, by the way, if you're not in there, wealth.wallstreet.com forward slash community, because we want to learn together how to do more of this. But this is one way we can add to the list of how we're going to perpetuate our banking systems for generations to come. We've got to have little things like this. Hey, by the way, we just paid for your golf this month through your policy. Did you know that? How does that work? It's something that they're doing, they're excited about, they're a part of, and now they can see how these things come together. And it becomes natural, yes. right? It's it's become so natural for you and me to take a, a loan from a bank, right? Like that's just what we do. What do we do with the money? We put it in checking accounts. What if we have extra? We put it in savings accounts. What do we don't we put it in 401ks and IRAs and all that other bull crap? We don't have to do that, right? Like literally when we teach our kids this method, we're perpetuating a new model. They don't even know. We were on a podcast yesterday with a guy. He said he was a third-generation real estate investor. His granddad, his dad, they had been living off real estate investment income for his whole life. Exactly. And so he actually said he was talking to someone. He's in a retirement community in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and the person uh, he was talking to said their biggest fear was running out of money. Well, yeah, I mean, I've known that forever. Like every time I would ever talk to somebody in their 50s, 60s, 70s, like we were talking about financial matters, the biggest concern was always run out of money. It was like a new thing to him. It's like, what? He's like shocked by that. Like there's a ninth planet? What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> he, I mean, he's like, I didn't know that. And, and you pointed it out like, well, you didn't get that because you've never been exposed to that. You've always had income that came from something else. And it was just natural. And I think that that's what we're teaching our kids. And exactly. that's what you can teach your kids. Did you know that you can buy insurance policies on your kids? I own insurance policies on all four kids. I actually own two insurance policies on all four kids. It is an amazing thing. And by using these policies, I can use it to as a financial education tool. And there's so few of those for our kids available. 529s, please, please. All right. No, no, please no. Please don't give me that wait, garbage. Wait, wait. No, right. That's a great lead in to point number four. Okay. All right. So, so Nelson points out. We just got done talking about 401ks. Now we just said 529 plans. When governments create a problem, hashtag onerous taxation, and then grants you an exception to that problem, i.e. tax qualified plans. Again, we're talking about 401ks, IRAs, 529s. Aren't you the slightest bit concerned that you're being manipulated? <laughs> Here's the best part of that statement when he goes through this. He says, if the government really wanted to give you a tax break, because isn't that what it was all under? Like that's when, what it's that's what it sounds like. When, when you listen to CPAs talk, they're always saying, "Hey, by the way, you put money in here; it's going to save you taxes." So it's a tax break for you. If this all was perpetuated under a tax guise, which if you go back, you actually look at the law that was created that actually instituted the four hundred one k. It was called the the Tax Revenue Act. Revenue Act. <laughs> Not Tax Break Act. Exactly. The Tax Revenue Act. And so, you, by the way, you equal revenue. Yeah, exactly. They, they have no other way of creating revenue except by you, the, off of your back. Yeah, they're not out selling, uh, you know, braided bracelets, you know. <laughs> they're not painting you portraits, right? I know that George W. Bush, like, loves the watercolor, but, I mean, he's not selling paintings for the government's income anymore at least i don't know i mean maybe yeah. all, all the income that these guys make after they leave office they could use to pay back all the taxes that they spent over own. we'll get off that one but he says nelson says points out this really interesting point if it was a tax break 
Well, the simplest thing was just do away with the tax. Just cut it out. Just gone. Now, if that's what they really want to do, do you do you think they really want to get rid of the tax? Not a chance. <laughs> no. So when he points out the, the clear fact that they, they created the tax, then they turned around and granted you an exception to the tax that they created, you have to see the fact that you're just a rat in the maze. You are being manipulated, period. And not to mention, we don't have time to get into it today, but we talk about it all the time. Those are the very vehicles that are producing the prison. They are putting you in financial prison because they you literally don't have access to your it, own money. It, here's the thing. I'm not a hockey player. I'm not a player of any sort, but mm. I, I, but hockey, has, you know, they have this, uh, that I remember I've been to a couple games, right? And they've got this little box. And when somebody gets in a fight or they do something wrong, they get put in the penalty box. That's right. And there's a dude that gets to stand there and make sure you stay in the penalty box for the allotted time. Well, we voluntarily put our money in a penalty box when we enter into these 401k and IRA arrangements. We In 529 arrangements. We literally put our money in the penalty box and say, we're going to be out here playing the game. You're stuck over here. You can't do anything with it. It doesn't matter what the opportunity is. And by the way, when somebody's in a penalty box, they're a man down. 100%. And and I I go watch soccer games all the time. I can tell you when they're bouncing that ball around, they're they're, they're passing it around. If they didn't have every person out there to defend it, they'd get smoked. They need every person on deck. Do you think you need all your money on deck in order to help you be financially successful, to help you be financially free? Are you putting your money in a, a financial penalty box? Well, if you're not having access to it, which we said was the number one thing that's keeping you from being financially free, well, why are you doing it? It's because you're taking the advice of people who are saying this is for your benefit. Don't buy it. Get on out of those things. Secede, as Nelson would have said. Okay, so Nelson says in point number five, as we're wrapping up the Becoming Your Own Banker series, he says wealth has to reside somewhere. That's right. He points out a few different spots here. Real estate the stock market, or free contract with other free persons. And from the real estate side, he points out liquidity as an issue. Well, we can see that right now. Actually, today, the only way for you to get access, well, it's always been this way, but especially in a market where it's just shooting through the roof. I mean, real estate is silly today. Do you really want to sell when the, the value is going through the roof? Well, that's the only way you're going to be able to access that that money that has been building up, building up in equity, unless you go to a bank and you ask them for permission to get the money that you have created. Right. The market's created or whatever it is. So he's pointing out wealth has to reside somewhere. And he, he loved real estate. Nelson is the OG when it comes to land flipping. I mean, we we, <laughs> we, we, we talk with Mark Podolsky's team all the time. We love them. Uh, they're a, a sponsor of the show. If you've not um, looked into the land geek, I totally uh, encourage you to go to thelandgeek.com and check them out. Like we have uh, benefited from their expertise. We have passive income streams now from land flipping. Nelson was the OG when it came to land flipping. Like he totally was buying raw land, timber land, and, and using that land not only to create passive income streams, but also to flip it for return. But when he says land isn't liquid, he knows the thing about it. He was a forester by trade. That's right. So it's not that real estate isn't a good place for money. It's what he's saying is how liquid is it? 
But then he goes in to point out the stock market. And clearly, we're on the Wealth About Wall Street show. So if yeah, you're, we don't need to cuss too much. If you're super show. interested in the stock market, knock yourself out. But <laughs> Nelson has pointed out that, hey, by the way, if you really want to invest in the stock market, go read my um, my library on the stock market. Until you're educated, until you've finished all 272 books on that list, <laughs> you're not qualified to invest in the stock market. Now, I know Nelson read all those books. But I know that he told me, Russ, if you really want to understand the stock market, you really want to invest in it, you need to go read those books. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I better uh, get with Joey and create a company that's wealth without Wall Street. That would be the avenue that I don't even have to deal with the stock market because I can't read 272 books. Yeah. I can't listen to 272 books. Yeah, not, it, not to mention the fact it, it's a gamble even when you know what's going on because you're not, there's people that are behind the scenes pulling the strings. Let's, let's get to the last one. Free contracts with other free persons. He says from this, you can choose to do any other things in life you desire, which includes the actual investments. If it was real estate, if it is land flipping, if it is short term, rental, if it is uh, Amazon businesses, fill in the blank. And by the way, check out our passive income report every month to get plenty of ideas. You can see all the things that we're doing. All right, point number six. We're going to get through this in 30 minutes. We've got to go. You finance everything you buy. That is the thing that slaps most people in the face, like a two-by-four across the eyeball. Let me, share you, let me share this really quick before we get to number seven. On the, other, on the call the other day, I was talking to somebody, and she says, you know, she was so proud. She said, Joey, we've never financed a car in our whole life. And I said, you're wrong. I said, in fact, you financed every car that you've ever bought and you did it in the most expensive possible way because you paid cash for them. Well, especially considering what did this person do for a living? They're in real estate. So um, what return could they and have they been able to make by investing in real estate? Well, they had a, a fourplex that was creating a, a thousand bucks a month in free cash flow. <laughs> And yet they're simultaneously, paying, but yet they're taking all their dollars and they're paying cash for cars and not giving credit to the fact of what that money is costing them comparatively if they went and bought another fourplex. By the way, if, if you don't believe us on this, go check us out on YouTube. There's a book called The True Cost. I mean, a book, a video called The True Cost of Paying Cash. Check it out. The numbers don't lie. Stop paying cash for things. You finance everything you buy, whether you give up interest in that situation. That you should have earned. By paying cash or you borrow the money from someone else and pay them interest. That's right. It is. That opportunity cost, as Joey says, is the largest expense that you'll never get a bill for until you start evaluating. All right, number seven, final point in the Becoming Your Own Banker book. We're ending our review of Nelson's amazing book here. And he says, you need... Your need for finance far exceeds your need for protection. Now, we, we are, we're talking about the use of a system. But in order to set this system up, Joey, what do we have to start? we got to have a policy. We have to start a life insurance policy. Whole life right? insurance. And, and we think life insurance, we automatically go to protection. And I had a guy reach out to me the other day and said, hey, by the way, um, how much insurance do I have? I want to... Uh, factor in like how much uh, maybe I need to increase my protection by, right? Because what happens if I die, especially in this eight day and age with, you know, we're so hyperinflated uh, or hyper uh, activity of the word death, right? We're constantly 
uh, got a ticker on how many people are dying because of COVID-19, COVID-37 or whatever we're in today. But it, we're, we're, we're sensitive to that, hypersensitive to That's that. That's right. And he wants to know, like, how do I increase it? And it's like, okay, well, what if we solve for your need for finance? Because how much money do you need to have access to? What's going through our hands and how much of that money are we actually controlling? What if we focused on how to run our system in a way where our money flew through an account that we earn interest on no matter what we did with it? And what Nelson said is if you'll focus on that, what will ultimately end up happening is you will end up with more death benefit, more protection than any of the financial underwriters at insurance companies would ever give you. Well, and I've said this before, but when I first learned about this whole strategy, I had $2 million in death benefit protection on a term policy. I was dad of the year. You couldn't have, you couldn't hold anybody else up and say, man, this guy has more protection for his family. When I learned this concept, I started solving for my need for finance. I started thinking about all the cars I'd buy, all the colleges I might have to help my kids with, or weddings. Obviously, weddings are a big deal for me. And all the investments that I would want to do. And you know what I said? I can't put enough money into a policy like this. It started to create over $3 million worth of coverage. And I just focused on the other side of the equation. So I can't agree more with what Nelson's talking about. All right. So we're wrapping this up. We appreciate you always listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, go buy you a copy of this book. You can go to our our website, wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash infinite banking. And, and download the link right there. Buy the book. Like we want to encourage you to constantly educate yourself because the investment in you is the best investment you can make. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.